Hello and welcome back to our Talking with Apes podcast. Today we are discussing the global response to the COVID-19 virus. Uh, this is our fourth episode and after a quick introduction round, we'll jump into talking about global unity on this issue. We'll talk about some of the scientific aspects, how we can act in the future. Uh, yeah. So Tom, would you like to introduce yourself? Um, I'm Tom. I am an. I started out as a climate activist. Uh, you can also call me an ecologist, a leftist, uh, <laughs> Marxist. Call I me think all the we're all dirty, leftists. Call me all the dirty leftist words, and I will like it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded weirdly sexual. <laughs> I'm Kinan. I'm. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> who are you you Kenan? don't know that's uh, very deep i mean who knows who they are really okay but cool. uh, let's not go into the deep thing i'm, I'm just uh, i'm just a guy who's um gets triggered easily by injustice so i'm here to uh try to make the world a bit of a more just place practically i'm just uh i, I work as an in as a robotic engineers and I met uh, the guys here from Talking with Apes uh, a year ago or something, and I like their project, and I usually do stuff with them. <laughs> okay, and I'm Morgan. I study graphic and digital media, maybe possibly study, uh, get a master in political and social arts, if that works out. And so I'm here to make art that is political and socially active. <laughs> um, oh my God, we're making art? <laughs> okay, like media, whatever. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the pandemic that possibly shouldn't have been a pandemic and is hopefully the last pandemic. The last pandemic is the name of the recently released report uh, that the World Health Organization requested. They, yeah, they requested it, They, but it was uh, conducted completely independent from them. And it actually also is very critical of the World Health Organization in part, which we like, of course, we love uh, independent research. Um, so in that report, there is a couple of recommendations uh, towards the future. Uh, some are science-based, and maybe let's jump into those first. Let's start with the objective things that we can do with all of the amazing science uh, <laughs> and research we have. So one thing they proposed is introducing um, more testing on wild animals so you can mm -hmm. uh, like uh, check up on the genome of uh, viruses more often and uh, early on realize when one has gone crazy. Uh, and that way you can already start developing so-called, uh, for example, in the in the situation of COVID, they would develop um, corona blockers. So the corona virus, which has many strains, you know, like the common flu is also a strain from the coronavirus. Uh, but once it went wrong and it started developing the co the SAR uh, the COVID nineteen SARS is another example uh, virus, it's yeah, we, we could have seen it early coming early. Well, we could it we could have seen it come early on, and we could have already had blockers uh, for the first patients. We could have isolated the people uh, that 
those first patients were in contact with and how could we have seen those first patients easily because we know these animals in this region their coronavirus has gone wrong and so we should watch the people in that region when they get symptoms of that kind of disease it would have helped with uh upping the alert system a little bit which exactly. was mentioned in the report was way too slow for the situation yes yeah, so nowadays like even now after all of this uh, all of this happened we still don't have a great monitoring system of animals because we know these viruses come from animals also things like hiv that came from apes we 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 still don't have a monitoring system and we have had all of these viruses go you know create first a little outbreak that could have been stopped and then it becomes an epidemic and then it goes worldwide or countrywide and we get a pandemic and yeah so the world health organization is this is where it stops we have now had a literal worldwide pandemic and this should be the last one and this can be the last one we have the resources to prevent millions of people dying um i think at this point we're at 300 million deaths uh so it is uh it is definitely worth it <laughs> yeah and uh, i mean everyone seems to generally agree that one it is it has been bad it has been incredibly bad um, to uh, still play this off as something as something like a flu is is just factually incorrect. Um, some sources do, or some some experts are a bit more kind, uh, saying that because those systems weren't in place, and because uh, you also accidentally mentioned it, SARS and uh, MERS, for example, these other pan uh, these other epidemics, for example, didn't reach. Some countries in the past, like Belgium Ebola. or others, yeah, Ebola, those were contained. It it is it. Some say that it was understandable that there was a certain level of comfort and trust. Others say no, this was a this was a fuck up, of course. Uh, but everyone do, does seem to agree that towards the future, we have the resources. We but should also, strive towards. Also, what you just said, next. like oh yeah, but like Ebola, SARS, they didn't really reach us here in our comfortable little Europe. Yes, yes. I mean, <laughs> that's that in itself is problematic. Like yeah, and we'll get we'll get to the just the, because the it's easier attitude. to shut down everything towards Africa because we're shutting them yeah. out anyways <laughs> is doesn't make it better you know like yeah um and that's when we get to the the topic that's maybe also more psychologically a, a big a big issue here the global corporation that is even on a field of science where it you would think there would be a very good uh, global corporation because there's no politics involved, there's, you know, there's nothing really involved that would make that impossible, like, psychologically speaking, that would keep people from working together. You can only get better from it, really. And still there is, okay, there is a World Health Organization, but even they don't always work completely free. It definitely didn't work um, in this pandemic. Their work have been underfunded, their results, they have no power to do anything. They can only make recommendations. So the World Health Organization is kind of a useless organization if we're talking about 
these governments and these uh, countries and nations who do not want to act according to its recommendations. I mean, uh, to be fair, they did do a lot of things, but they can't force a country to do something. They can't enforce anything. And that I do think that's a problem because these boards and these uh, bodies we have as global, the United Nations, the uh, World Health Organization, are there for a reason. They're just, they're just not there for uh, recommendations. They, they, I think they should have some kind of enforcing power yeah, and because we we saw in the last four years and in this last pandemic how a country being ruled by some maniac like Donald Trump can just Bolsonaro, well, Bolsonaro, fuck the World Health Organization. I don't care. I'm gonna do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah, so. we also see it. Um, for example, you mentioned the UN recently. A UN secretary said that it is totally unacceptable to live in the world in which developed countries can vaccinate most of its population, while many developing countries have not access to one single dose. Um, and also, the World Health Organization has recently urged uh, Europe and the United States to send one billion vaccinations to other parts of the world that can't afford to buy these vaccinations uh, because of, you know, like, uh, because companies own the rights to those, which is a different topic we'll touch on, on mm -hmm. later. Um, but so, yeah, we see these organizations are actually trying to do their part, but they don't have any political power, which makes it really hard to... And again, Act fast. Yeah, and again, the report is critical of the of the WHO itself. It says that the, H, uh, the, the World Health Organization. Yeah, it's way easier <laughs> to say that acronym in Dutch yes. than in English. The World Health Organization. Uh, they were also understaffed at the moment. Uh, the report says, um, and we can't forget they are indeed victim to the member states of which they are part, which was a criticism concerning China in the early yes. beginning, especially coming from Taiwan, which said they weren't informed enough. And that whole deal, um, but voices do seem to be going up to maybe strengthen uh, the World Health Organization. I remember the Australian government uh, proposing that they should be allowed to send in observers, even if the, the the member state doesn't maybe agree with that. I don't know how that would work in practice because countries have armies, of course, and you know what with, are they gonna do? Kill with, a couple of doctors? I mean, um, they do kill journalists. UN observers they, they, aren't perfectly safe these days not, either. But so. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I feel. Let's assume uh, it will I raise the bar. <laughs> yes, and like, I don't know. If you're announcing to the whole world, well, we're sending a couple of observers to China to look at things, and then these couple of observers disappear magically. Well, yeah, I mean, it would definitely everyone maybe, would maybe know. not for China because China doesn't care about its public image because they are way past giving a fuck because they're way too powerful. But I don't know, a country like, uh, a country that needs other countries. I think we need to also start respecting scientists more oh, yeah. uh, for for that to happen. Because if, if, if we would, if we would see it as something, you know, essential to our civilization to have a global health system that is in place and that works decently. Um, yeah. We, you know, we could maybe make something like that happen. But nowadays, it's also like it's 
you know, you have anti-vaxxers, you have people who are still bound by their religious beliefs, you have some, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, but yeah. to be honest, all of these things are more on a local level, but when we're talking about the relationship between a global board of uh, actors and nation states, it's really, uh, I, I think it's kind of a, a layer above the public perception of uh, anti-vaxxers and these kind of things. Obviously, in a democratic country, the public opinion matters and it should technically drives politics. But even then, even in the most democratic country, it's a pretty slow process that just isn't well handled to deal with such events. I think it's just also like, you know, like you said, like these anti-vaxxers will also exist. And if a democratic country somehow elects a person who's, I don't know if half of the population is like fuck vaccines and fuck science, well, no, like this is not a question mm-hmm. of keep fucking your own country. This is a question of keep fucking the whole planet. Yeah, that's the thing. If, you, if you're talking about viruses and stuff, yeah. it's, it's going to fuck the whole planet. And even... Like now, you know, like we are vaccinating here in the in in Europe, we're vaccinating in the US, but those one billion vaccinations that the the World Health Organization, you know, recommended, that's even not that big of a number to send it's, to the rest of the world if you consider even, that they need about seventeen billion was said. Was um, billion even enough for India? And before anyone makes the excuse, yeah, but you know, we have we have our own budget to manage on our own vaccines. Yeah. One billion vaccines as promised by the G7, by the way, the seven most industrialized richest countries. Um, that's peanuts for them because they're the top of the world economy. They can, that, that means nothing to them even. Yeah, and if you look at, for example, how... There were three big players that in the beginning of when we had the vaccine just bought up as much as possible. You had the US, you had the UK, and you had Israel. And, you know, they are vaccinating and, you know, it's great for them. But then you see, which is quite ironic, India's new strain, the Delta variant, the B1617 variant. It's... uh, How did you memorize that? (laughs) I have no... (laughs) <laughs> it's <laughs> some people are prepared <laughs> it's <Unlike> um, <laughs> uh, now it's making the UK struggle again so you see how how ironically it's it's kind of biting them in the ass now uh, in, in the UK do you know that meme with the guy biking and sticking up a stick inside his own wheel and then falling and then blaming somebody <laughs> else why is India fucking up my country and yeah. I, but ironically, <laughs> maybe it because is you ironic. fucked up India at some point. And in a certain sense, it's it's kind of karma. But I mean, <laughs> it, this is about <laughs> people's lives, so yes. I retract that statement immediately. It's but just a joke. It, no, because it is it is also one of the remnants of of the uh, it's it's of the colonial past and of well neo-colonial current situation that those rich countries buy up all the vaccines because they're we're dealing with a free market system. Those that already have money can also vaccinate their people quicker and then can start their economies up again, etc., etc. So this strengthens the inequality between nations again or between countries again and it plays with people's lives on the remnants of that colonial past. And just as a side, side note, like to what you're saying, like what you're saying makes sense in a world where we're selling vaccines. That's something normal. But we're going to be discussing right later that 
Are vaccines something that should be a for-profit exactly. good? Yes, I mean, we, we, can, we can talk about it now. Yes, like, so why are we selling vaccines for profit? This doesn't make any sense. This is a global pandemic that is literally threatening the whole world. Yes, shouldn't, shouldn't vaccines for viruses <laughs> be something that is not pen, uh, patent, uh, patented? Patented, patented yes. copyrighted or... <laughs> And maybe to make the segue uh, some, a little bit smoother, um, before we get into the full discussion about should a patent or should a patent on medicine be beating, the World Health Organization has set up multiple exchange programs and exchange projects where um, companies can donate their information, donate their knowledge they have acquired during this uh, period of time. Even statistics. To, to give it. Not a single company has, or, or no, of, or I'm not going to say not a single one, but no companies have been doing that. Yeah, no, I, that, that I think from the report you sent us, not a single pharmaceutical company agreed yeah. to share its data. Nor does when Biden, for example, uh, happy grandpa Biden, new president of the United States, says, you know, I want cooperation on this and I may be up to debating whether or not we should revoke the patents. Nor has he or any of the other G7 countries done anything in terms of actually sharing their knowledge with the rest of the world. Uh, so dumb. Like, you know, I understand self-interest and greed. They've had their chance. But even like with self-interest and greed, they still don't understand that this is affecting them. Mm -hmm. This is a situation where you can't be just like, well, we got our own. We'll deal with this shit on our own and you can go deal with it on your own. It's not how global pandemics and global problems work. That's not how climate change works. You can't solve climate change locally. You can't solve a global pandemic locally. It's very frustrating, obviously, and I don't know, maybe if you're a country like Israel, that works for you because you don't allow anybody in and out, but, you know, you can't just live like that. You, this, is not a, this is not a local problem. This is a global yes, problem. Yes, it, it's a global problem. As we said, this is a problem that you have to solve globally and you need global cooperation and you need independent organizations that can go into these countries and do steady reports and you know like assess the situation keep everything on track keep people vaccinated develop these blockers we we need that and i think we should all work towards that and it will increase living standards all over the world definitely, uh, as definitely. well and like this is this is a very specific situation but even like if we go a bit like uh, a more general view what we have to talk about i think like Maybe not now, but like in the future, in a future conversation, we should talk about the attitude toward global problems. So this global pandemic basically challenged the whole world to be like, for now, for now, like since before the global pandemic, or maybe before climate change became, a, before climate change is still destroying our world, people thought, well, we can deal with things on a local level. We, we, if, if China is communist and if the US is capitalist, well, let them live their life and they live their lives and it's going to work out because, you know, this, these issues and these lives can be contained in a single geographical place. But a problem like climate change and a problem like global pandemic is something that challenges us as a whole population to be like, okay, this isn't working anymore. We need a global approach and a global approach means... For now, the way we see things, the way our instinct sees things, especially in a democratic country, is like everybody shares their opinion, we reach a consensus, 
and we reach a compromise between all the people participating in this uh, discussion. But I don't think this is the approach to a global pandemic or to a global threat. And that is a difficult conversation to have because it implies that not everybody's opinion matter on this as much as the other, or we need a unified approach even if some people don't agree with it. This mm -hmm. is not a place for democracy. This is a place where democracy kind of fails. Well, it depends on what kind of democracy you're talking about because it, it has been shown that, you know, in a... Germany definitely, for example, did better than Belgium. We, um, if, if you look at how they have dealt with it, the German state situation and the German democracy is clearly organized. Um, there were some figures there that could at least take up a role of leadership. The Belgian situation was plagued by budgetary, budgetary problems, a weak bureaucracy or a bureaucracy without extremely strong people in it and a political system which confuses even the people in that political system yeah. with no one knowing who is supposed to uh, or, or who is responsible for this specific part of the health uh, policy and who is responsible for another part. For example, uh, elderly people in homes are the jurisdiction of one minister uh, schools are the jurisdiction of another person, even if it comes to the health of the children. Um, the uh, health of the general population is on another uh, political level. I believe it's federal. So you have these That's really you have this mass of people where at one point in Belgium you had nine ministers responsible for dealing with the corona crisis. That is bad democracy. That is bad that democracy. Is, and But what, how the thing is, like you mentioned, Germany dealt with it on like in a good way because it has good democracy. But what I'm like you have to go a level even higher and be like, yes. do we have democracy between all these countries, all of these systems, all of these philosophies, all of these political systems, all of these economical systems? Do we keep that or do we make a board of global actors that make decisions yeah, on these like kind of I things? Yeah, like what I said before, like you need an independent board that is concerned with issues like these that is consistent of mostly scientists because both like for example you mentioned climate change and uh, the corona crisis those are both scientific issues but even scientists sometimes are pretty unreliable in this pandemic they first said do not wear masks it's not necessary but the reason well, for that was there isn't enough supply they weren't motivated by the science they were motivated by practicality mm -hmm. but to uh, answer the first part Luckily, or luckily, well, um, that is, again, one of the things that the report says of the, of the World Health Organization. It proposes, uh, it seriously proposes creating a, uh, a panel uh, of a, for a global body, which they call the Global Health Threats Council, which would uh, judge uh, or which would be encouraged to look preventatively for threats of global pandemics and which would house the heads of state of various countries so that they would be involved in the thing, yes. would have a word in it and, you know, would have some form of willingness for it to function correctly and I, to function... That's well. what I'm talking about. Like, but, yes, a global board of scientists, it, it makes sense. It's, it's, it's pretty, if you think about it, it, at first glance, it's amazing. It's very technocratical, though, but that's another... But that's where... <laughs> some politics should still go into it because the world run on politics and 
we need these people to be part of that body. We shouldn't alienate because like we saw people like Trump saying, fuck the World Health Organization, fuck the Paris Agreement. This this sentiment, it, it comes from somewhere. It originates from people distrusting global bodies. They distrust big, they, they distrust technocrats. They distrust people who tell them what to do without, just leave it to us, we are the scientists, we'll deal it with it, we'll figure it out, and you stay out of it. And this idea of separation of politics and science, it, it, it didn't work because in the pandemic, from what we've seen is, well, politi- politicians basically, it's the scientists deal, they, they have the blame. Unless we're talking about the US where they didn't listen to the scientists at all, but in a country like Sweden or Denmark, they talked about herd immunity. Or what, what was it? What yeah, was herd it? immunity. Yeah, and herd immunity is a, te- is, a, is, a, is a very like correct concept that has been studied. But in practicality, it, it kind of fucked them of over. <laughs> yes. In Sweden, you mean? In Sweden. Yes, yes. it wasn't Denmark. Denmark it, it, actually did a Sweden. very heavy yeah. lockdown right away. Yes. Yeah. So, like I said, it's just like there, but politics and science. Actually, I think from my, from my personal opinion, it, sh- it should be it should be one. But don't force. you think herd, immun- herd immunity was actually the thing that was created because the politicians liked it more because it was better for the economy? So they were like, "Oh, there's like two scientists over there that kind of have this one theory. So let's ignore the eighty other ones and we'll go with those and we'll put those on TV and we'll just." Isn't that what politics I agree. does? I, I like, see what you're saying, but what I, and that's the problem. What we have now is where politics influence the science. I'm talking about science influencing the politics. We have a body of mostly scientists, and we include in that a couple of politicians or a couple of decision makers or head of states, like Tom said, in that global body. Because they are necessary, but they should not have the final word. But they should be there with the scientists when they discuss this, because... In the end, they are the ones who are going to have to enforce it and implement laws and actual action to do lockdowns or whatever. I, I think uh, I think you're uh, hitting on a good point, which is mainly that, um, as for example, the, the research journalists from uh, Apache have uh, pointed out in, in multiple articles, especially on the relationship between uh, scientists and politicians in this in this pandemic, is that politicians don't know how to deal or interact with science that is going on in the moment. Um, actually, uh, Mike deGrasse Tyson has a great video about this. We'll see if we can include it in uh, when we... The description, probably. The description of the YouTube video when yeah. we send it around in the mailing as well. Um, science uh, at, at the frontier of science is a constantly changing place. It's yes. where, oh, this new paper came out. We have to switch our position uh, oh, this this other new uh, experiment was done. We have to switch our position again. It is a very uncertain period. Science, the scientific frontier is a very uncertain space, and it is only established science that is very factual and and uh, with high degrees of certainty. Politicians don't know how to deal with this because in a, uh, a regular situation, they tend to um, ask for a study on something. It takes a few months, and by the time three they years. get it, or three years, and by the time they get it back, or the decision has to be made, a lot of them have forgotten they have ever ordered that study, or they get it back, and it says very concretely this and this and this. It it has clear facts underlined. Yeah, like they they ask two thousand people on whether they'd like the park in the south or in the north of the yeah, city. Exactly. And they have their answer. As opposed to having a 
as opposed to working with a, a virologist or any other uh, scientist that was involved in this uh, in dealing with this pandemic, which then goes on TV a week later, nuancing the advice they gave to the politicians. To the politicians, that is like, eh, what are you? That, that's an incredibly annoying thing. I, 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 I yeah, can but imagine. that's. Be- I think all of this happened because there was no funding for the research before the pandemic happened. That's why we can't ever be in the situation again of complete... Because science doesn't work that way. You can't have accurate science in the moment when you need it. You have to prevent... Yes. Science, isn't the, science isn't a slot machine in which you push money no. and exactly. you automatically get exactly. the results. Exactly. You need to put a consistent amount of investment into it so you never are in the situation of needing an outcome right in that moment. I mean, if we're boiling it down, we can all say that preventative action is definitely better than like treating these kind of problems. Mm-hmm. So yes, I agree with you. Like preventative action here should be our focus. And, and vice versa, the, the scientists aren't used to being put in the position they were in now because they're used to Definitely thinking long term. That's why they often, uh, I, I remember here in Belgium, they often pushed for uh, patience on the news, which of course doesn't go well with the population or sometimes even with uh, with uh, with politicians. But scientists are used to waiting for long times on results, for for uh, waiting for peer, opinion, peer reviews to come in, etc., etc., uh, neither, and we have discussed this with our friend Hita, who is uh, a, biologist. a biologist. Scientists aren't the greatest at communicating in terms of the same way that politicians do, because scientists talk academically and they communicate in terms of nuance, accuracy, uh, and and to really communicate the whole uh, the whole of their of, the of whole the, spectrum. this whole spectrum of information that they want to give you. Politicians, on the other hand, work with rhetoric. They have pathos, logos, ethos. They claim legitimacy. They work with emotion. They work with sometimes irrational or wrong arguments. But, you know... They They want as many people in the audience to understand what they're saying as fast as possible and get them to like them. And that is what we need. People, when they see a scientist on the news telling them to be patient or telling them why technically wearing a mask is a good preventative action, even though that right now the science is still out on the... People get bored. People have short attention spans. People download fucking TikTok. Yes. Um, <laughs> but like, as, as we said, like that's why you can't just... That's why this really has to be the last pandemic. And I think now maybe we should move on to why we shouldn't patent... Yeah, oh, we were kind of at that completely point. straight away from <laughs> that. Um, so yeah, you we have a great attention span. <laughs> um, so yeah, right now we're in the situation where, for example, Pfizer develops a vaccine. Uh, several people or countries then proposed a certain price for a certain amount <clears throat> amount of vaccinations. And Pfizer delivers that, and they have the patent on that. Uh, same with AstraZeneca, same with Johnson & Johnson, although that one is off the table right now. Um, and the question is, if you're living in a global pandemic, is this ethical? Like, we have seen, for example, the vaccine for pox, which was never patented and as a result, the world doesn't really have to deal with that anymore. Like our generation in Europe, for example, didn't even get that vaccine anymore because it's just eradicated. So why would you, in a in a 
in a time of this much need, patent, this vaccination, um, where like even even private people have put money into developing that vac- vaccine, like people were, the whole world was waiting for this this one, um, you know. But, 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 but yes. capitalism. <laughs> I mean, to put, it, to put it in a much more um, crude way, AstraZeneca, Pfizer has the world by the balls. They hold the whole world hostage right now. Exactly. And I, 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 you know, like we're not living in a world where capitalism is the one thing to to bring a product to the market anymore. Like we've seen lots of software where there's lots of time that goes into creating that software be open source. I mean, even in the vaccine department, there is a Russian vaccine that got vaccinated, that got produced in Russia. It produced great results and... It, Russia dealt with it themselves. They distributed that vaccine to all of its allies' countries. They even sent some doses to fucking Syria. But it's not even on the table to talk with Russia about sharing their vaccines because fucking politics and because fucking capitalism. Yes. Um, and let's and uh, even between the countries alone, let's point out that most of these vaccines, yeah, yeah, yeah there's names on them like. Pfizer and and AstraZeneca and everything, they were created, one, with research by universities, often publicly funded, 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 with specific investments, often by the world governments, uh, extreme cases. Um, I'll look for the numbers in a moment because I lost them. Billions. billions. Isn't it 11 billion? 11 billion, yeah, exactly. Uh, 11 to 13 billion, I believe. they were built on the on the on the good old structure of state intervention. Yes, the state came in and was like, "Here's money, do it." Exactly. And then they get to auction it for who gives them more money to buy it. Of course, the state that gave them money gets some vaccinations in return. But that's but not even how it worked. Yo- Europe invested a lot, and they got fucked well, because I mean, the capitalists can't keep up with the production. Yes. Europe kind of got fucked because Europe thought there was a kind of general feeling of, hey, let's buy this vaccine (laughs) together and let's distribute it equally around, you know, our countries and some We either buy together or we don't buy at all. Exactly, that's what Europe said. Europe said we either buy together or we don't. Which is the ethical thing to do. we still do. Definitely. It is the ethical thing to do. You shouldn't be like, well, fuck Belgium, I'm Germany, I'm going to buy all the vaccine. First of all, Europe can't really do that because of like the borders. They are very yes, close. And there's they... something called the Schengen area. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Second of all, it's it's just wrong to be like, well, I need all the vaccines in my little country and Yes, you know, like also as we said, like the Delta variant has has proven that. Um but so like let's all talk about like some alternatives. So you could have, for example, hand like done a similar thing as we do with open source software. Like you just Yeah. Uh, make it available to uh, get the recipe and people like countries, whatever, they just pay for the, uh, the, the cost of production. Yes. And, uh, Which know. is extremely cheap if you're not trying to make a huge amount of profit. Mm-hmm. It's really not that expensive. The research maybe, but the research, like Tom said, has been mostly done by public universities who get public funding. And now we're in a situation where we then have to overproduce vaccines to send them to other countries. So this whole process of overproducing vaccines, packaging them here, producing them here, shipping them to, for example, India, 
it's still cheaper than not patenting the vaccination Yes, you, ju you just like have to follow the whole thing. So we're doing all of this. So in the end, the CEO of AstraZeneca or Pfizer or the stakeholders there get to get some 500 increase in their profit margin. Yes, like it, which it, you then can tax in some European countries. Maybe, yes. Maybe. Which will then go towards what exactly? Some more military spending in the United States? <laughs> some extra pipeline from Europe to Russia? Maybe some politician it's, will buy a boat. Let's be... Oh, whoa, yeah. Nice. I mean, come on. <laughs> he needs that boat. Exactly. Uh, uh, if we were talking I mean, you know, about like alternatives... Um, well, first and foremost, um, as again, uh, in an article from uh, Apache, the journalists, uh, the research journalists. Uh, in Belgium. In Belgium, yeah. yeah. Uh, although they, they have an international uh, network, mm -hmm. um, helped with the Panama Papers, etc. Mm -hmm. um, oh, yes, uh, one, one expert concerning patent rights uh, pointed out that, you know, she is way more a fan of direct investment. Why doesn't we? Why don't we democratically decide which things should be researched instead of just giving uh, money for research in general to those companies, etc.? Why don't we steer it more clearly so that also in the future things like those uh, blockers could have been developed, even though there isn't an acute uh, acute need for them and thus not much money to be made there. Um, to be fair there is an issue with that in terms of sexiness like it's not super sexy to be like hey we want to develop blockers for this thing that might happen in 10 years and we just want to be really really careful about it you know it's not very catchy to make a kickstarter i mean I'm no which is why you need a good bureaucracy sometimes yes. that can just you know, come with a report 500 pages thick and slam it on the table and say like... I mean, that's all fucking science, you know? Like all of yeah. these PhDs and all of these biologists, they have all of this uh, huge reports. And yes, maybe the politician won't read it, but... Politicians also don't have to sell every single inch of their policy. Exactly. The, the oh, you... But like... You didn't mean that people should vote on which research gets. No, developed. no, but the government or or the no, no, not people individually voting on such things. Ah, that's okay. like trying to democratically control maybe a nuclear power board, plant. Maybe that global health board, for example, or maybe a committee that can be like, okay, these are the threats. Exactly. And this is where we're going with that money. But if Parliament can like say can approve a pre like a list that some executive power produces. Uh, with its bureaucracy on which things should get funding and parliament can look at it and approve it or if they disagree with it, we at least have them by the balls and we can say, why didn't you approve this, you dipshit. You know, at least you get more democratic control over that process and it isn't the capitalist chaos that it currently is mm. where some things just don't get developed because they wouldn't sell. Uh, second of all, and that is something which is mostly a criticism mostly given to the US in this case, I don't know what the laws are for Europe. I didn't have the time to research that. Uh, the US has the emergency act where the president can take control over certain companies in times of crisis. Yeah. In the US, Biden could take control of these pharmaceutical companies and force them to produce these, these, these vaccines en masse without, you know, the traditional buying chaos of all of it. That is an option, and that is a, a so a he could force them to not make any more profit than they need for producing it. I believe so. He could definitely force them to produce on max capacity, or he could seize other companies that are currently not producing it and get them to produce it. Um, 
Third of uh, third uh, thing I have seen uh, in uh, proposed by experts is that yes, this whole donation uh, thing, uh, this whole donation uh, business is interesting, but why aren't we also talking about uh, distribution and production hubs in the rest of the world? That is something that should be considered. Why? Because you know, producing everything in Europe and 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 uh, the United States, for example, or in other places, it's not like because we're the only ones with the patent industry. at one place, right? That's the limitation. Exactly, it it helps with the, with that scenario again. So, who does it benefit to have this centralized production? Wow, <laughs> like <laughs> not the world population yeah. necessarily. And um, you know what's fun? Like, I, I this is like a kind of a tangent. This is like has nothing to do with anything, but more like. The people who are developing these vaccines and the scientists who work their asses off in a record time, they're not getting rich. They probably were like slaving in labs and now they get to feel good. But they're not the value of their labor, not to go to the super like socialist, but the value of their labor is controlled by these CEOs and company owners who are like, well, let's sell this now. Yes, the patent isn't... So that's yeah. the, the, the patent isn't theirs. The person who created the pox vaccine was an innovator, a single individual innovator who decided not to patent that vaccine. He yes. could make that a decision. Human, a human would make that decision, a company would A company not. can't make that decision because companies aren't people. I can't believe I, we still have to say this. Yeah, and it's, it's not a question of do you hate private enterprise? It's a question of well, what do, what what do the rules say of the game we're playing? It says a, a corporation, namelos vernootschap, as they say in Dutch. I don't know what the name is, but a t- typical corporation with shareholders has the goal of making profit. That is not a reproach toward companies are evil, no. but it's just the, the, the way system. Yes. That, that's it's not corruption. It's not it's not something gone wrong. It's just the way the system is designed. Yes. This is by design. Yes. Um, okay, but like we're straying away again. Uh, let's talk about because we almost have to uh, round up. Let's talk about maybe um, another aspect of this crisis. We've seen um, some apps being developed and some mm. other means and ways to to monitor to monitor um, how. You know, it is some apps were better, some apps were worse. Um, some apps uh, invaded privacy. Some apps tried to make privacy as much as yes. possible a priority. So, like one app that has been highlighted as a very good one was, for example, the the German app because it used fucking Germans <laughs> because it used Bluetooth instead of always the Wi-Fi, which um, the Wi-Fi, which is always. Uh, being monitored um, and where you can always track the location like they did in China. Um, so yeah, this, this was a really good app, but uh, still only um, 42% of the population said that they would use it, which is, which is good, but it's not amazing. And then 39% said that they would definitely not use it. And th- these numbers are from before the app was launched. So mm-hmm. a product that has never been seen by anyone that was in development, 40% already knew that they would not use it. And I do think it's it's a nice example of how good technology was developed in this crisis, but because of the communication towards the public, because of a lot of uncertainty, 
people were afraid to use it. Yeah, people well, didn't have enough uh, information. Like, I think this goes, the, 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 the layer above this problem is people just didn't take corona seriously. They were more afraid that the government might be tracking them through their phone than they are about corona because, well, I don't know anybody who got corona. I and even, but even if they did, I mean, there is a, there is a, I, th I think one uh, problem there is again, the, the moment before the crisis happens, which, you know, is when you have to introduce a whole new thing during the crisis and you have to tell people during the crisis, please trust me. That's maybe not the moment. It would be good to have their trust beforehand. When but I do feel like in Germany, Merkel did have the trust of a large... Sure, but um, like the, the, I don't the, think we've ever seen a government app like how many, by the government yeah. and ask to, to citizens like, hey, download this app and use it because it's useful. And in this, I, I'm going to look it up after this podcast because now I get in, because I think you, you really pick my interest here. I'm, I'm wondering about a country like Estland, how much uh, usage they would have. Because their government systematically is very digital and very uh, much strong in that field. They, they deal with cyber they protection even have a lot. An app, I don't know, but now I'm going to look it up. But, um, you know, the Belgian government, the German government, the French government, they're not high on providing extremely uh, protective, encrypted software to their citizens all the time. It's not a common thing. So people are a bit, when it appears for the first time during a crisis, it's, it's a bit a new thing. But I also think there is the whole aspect of people were suddenly at home a lot of the time. They were on their social media a lot of the time. There were yeah, yeah. a million conspiracy theories oh, going yeah. around. I mean, it's a whole topic to talk about how Facebook dealt with this. We will use that in another yes, podcast. Yes, so I think I think <laughs> we should, you know, go into that in another podcast. But I do think it's it's interesting to see how that app was developed in Germany and how it actually like but it was developed pretty, decently. It, and it is possible to do that. It is possible to use end-to-end -to -end encryption plus Bluetooth, for example, which is a really old technology, Bluetooth. It is, but it is like, how did anybody not think, but Wi-Fi is trackable. Bluetooth will like just connect you to the other person. Well, I mean, we all know why China didn't think about that yeah, yeah. or ignore it. I mean, the mm -hmm. thing is, like, anybody concerned about their privacy and location, don't they or like, don't you already get ads on your phone for the laundry you just talked about with your wife? Yeah, but there's something about the government that has been prompted up so many times in the past, like by by some politician, right-wing politicians, especially that they shouldn't be trusted, etc. And honestly. For example, if you live in Belgium, again, well, I you shouldn't it. trust it because our government is a digital leaking mess. Oh yeah, it, is get, it gets hacked all the time. Servers get taken down. It is a disaster. I mean, cards on the table. Let's be real here. Did anybody of you like download the Corona app from Belgium? No. I didn't. You didn't. He didn't. So, and we, we consider ourselves to be because, like... And this is the second part. And I really want to hammer this on before yes. we close the podcast. This is the insanity of the issue. Germany developed an app, and then Belgium developed an app, and another country developed an app, and another country developed an app, all within the European Union. And then they start talking on the news, well, we are now working on maybe having these apps work together, but you know, it will be a little while and it will not be that easy. Why the fuck are you not making a European app at the very least? Again, we live in the Schengen area. You complete utter fools. The yes. Germans have the know-how. They created a good app. All you need to do is translate the stuff, yes. I, it seems. 
and then see how you like the receiving yes. of the information, etc. You will have to deal with. Well, we, uh, go, go, go. Honestly, I I would have if I would have been living in Germany right now, I would have downloaded the app. But the Belgian one was very vague on what technology they used, so I did exactly. not. <laughs> like, um, okay, so like just to wrap up the podcast, I wanted to uh, end it with a little note on vaccinations uh, in general. So if you live in Europe, if you have the privilege of getting vaccinated because as we have discussed today it is a privilege to to have uh you you should <laughs> and uh you know like the, i know that there's a lot of talk going around about some vaccinations being better and some vaccinations being harmful etc but let's just look at the numbers for a second here to end on a rational note so if you're for example like 55 or older there is like a four in a million chance of you getting like harmful side effects from this vaccination. This doesn't even mean dying, just like having bad side effects. And like, just to put it into perspective, there's an 800 in a million chance of you dying of Corona. There is a 180 chance of you dying because you fall off the stairs. <laughs> yes, for all the clumsy people out there. There is a... Beware of stairs. <laughs> there is a 125 uh, in a million chance of you dying if you have ever been pregnant uh, for the women. Um, and there is a 23 million chance of you dying in a road accident. And there is one in a million chance, so one fourth of the chance of like getting seriously ill from the vaccine, is that this year you will be struck by lightning. <laughs> so, and you know, like for, for younger people, the numbers are slightly different because they have other risks, etc. But they are also ridiculous compared, uh, for example, is looking at you. <laughs> for example, some birth control uh, pills for younger women are uh, more dangerous than uh, the vaccine. I mean, like all of them are kind of <laughs> more dangerous of that, than the vaccine. Uh, Comic I've seen the other day with a guy smoking and drinking and doing drugs and being like, I'm not putting that shit in my body, referring to the vaccine. Yeah, Please. exactly. Let's uh, be real. So, yeah, it's it's just just get fucking vaccinated. Just get vaccinated. And, and like, if I can end like with, with just like, and I, I think the problem we have always with convincing people to follow science is some people are a bit elitist when it comes to that. Like, you don't trust the science. You're such a dumb fuck. It's more like, first of all, let's acknowledge the uh, socioeconomic uh, divide mm -hmm, and yes. how that affects what language does the people you get the vaccination invite for with the camel for, you know? Educational background. Let's just remember that, honestly, science can be wrong sometimes. The science can be persuaded by money, can be persuaded by investments. But science is the best we got. And the reason why it keeps changing at the forefront, like Tom said before, is because it's actually trying to do its best. That's why it changes. It's not a point against it, it's a point for it. You know for a fact that these scientists and these people are trying to reach the most accurate and the best innovation they can. You don't see people complaining that Einstein's theory of relativity ruined Newton's physics. 
Well, technically it did, but we still study Newton and we still understand the world through the lenses of Newton, but there's also the, the more advanced and then there's quantum physics, but... Yes, so if, not to get if you're doing a school experiment and there's two guys developing a vaccine for you and you have to choose which one to drink and Johnny makes one and he's like, I am sure this is gonna work for you. You should drink it right now. And the other one, like he comes back to you and back to you and he's like, I'm not sure yet. I'm sorry, you there have is, to wait. Yeah. You know, like I, I would, I would take the other one. I would not t trust Johnny that he got it right right away. Here so comes yeah. <laughs> so just yeah, and and these these things are tested like any other medicine and is. So if you and if you're afraid for side effects or all the nuances that are popping up with a lot of vaccines recently, tell your uh, tell the health uh, care workers, tell your doctors, tell your nurses. Give them your medical information and to a certain degree, trust on them to make a correct scientific uh, decision based on that information. Do provide it because they really need it, but trust on them to make a rational uh, decision based on that for which vaccine they will give you. Uh, just the same way that you trust the guy at the tank station not to fuck up your car when he's putting gasoline in it and not to like throw sugar in it instead or something. Yes. We trust people, each other uh, as humans all the time exactly. in society. Do that. Yes, and just one more thing to completely wrap it up. Last word here. Um, I will have the last word. No, I will have the no, last I will, word. Okay, then I, I will say this one thing. I can literally turn you down. I will say one more thing. Okay, say I it. will give a real thanks to... I, I think we should acknowledge this. Uh, my thanks and admiration to the fucking people from Cuba who oh, yeah. send their medical personnel to Italy when the rest of Europe didn't want to help them and to Andorra and who, and in their own words, Cuba isn't a perfect state, but I will, uh, is far from it, but I will say this, they didn't share what they could, they shared what they had at the moment when it was needed and they do so still and they should have our gratitude and our admiration for that. Yeah. Okay, you should that. and now you can have the last word. Okay, you should have told me that it was about something else. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so like I just wanted to say getting vaccinated is not just for yourself. It's not just your own health that you have to be concerned about. Uh, you know, there's lots of children, for example, that have diseases that Think make... Think of the children. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> that makes it impossible for them to be uh, vaccinated. So, yeah, I, I, I was one of those children myself when I was a kid uh, and I wasn't able to get vaccinated and I was I needed to rely on the other children in my, uh, uh, you know, surroundings and grown up people in my surroundings to be vaccinated so I could not catch any of those diseases because I was getting chemotherapy. So... Yeah, it is It is not just your own health. So if you're not getting vaccinated, you're not just, you know, bringing yourself into danger. You're also just kind of showing a big fuck you to all the children that are getting chemotherapy. <laughs> so <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> Strong words. Um, don't forget to subscribe. I mean, first of all, get vaccinated and then subscribe. Oh, actually do subscribe, then get vaccinated. Yes. Bye. It's faster than Yes. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.